This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Hello, college football fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. Money! is Ricky Widmer, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are here today, this is the last one, well, last one, I don't think we've decided if we're going to touch the the non-Power Fives next week, the Group of Five, that's what they're called. I, we, we haven't discussed if we're going to touch them next week, but I, I know how Brandon is, and I don't think he wants to touch the Group of Five, so this may be our last... Uh, preseason kind of preview of a conference before we get into actual football talks for getting ready for the season and we get to talk about your conference today the one that you love buddy i know it's exciting isn't it isn't it we we, saved the best for last well it's the the best i'm using air quotes because there are some teams that i feel like can beat the sec but no they've dominated every other conference heading into I don't know, forever, but if you guys are new to how we do our previews for college football, what we're doing is we're going to look at the East Division first. That's going to be part one. We're going to look at part two, which will be the West. And at the end, we'll kind of give you who we think is going to play in the title game and who could represent the SEC, I'll say, from the college football playoff because there's going to be an SEC in that college football playoff. You can put your hat on that. But we are going to... Look at the East first, and before we look, we're going to spend most of our time, I'll be honest, on Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida, so I apologize to all the other four teams in this division. However, there are three I kind of want to touch, Brandon. The first one is just South Carolina on the fact that can Will Will Muschamp, can he make a difference? Can he make a difference for the Gamecocks? Uh, You know, I, I think that you take a look at what he did in his time at Florida, and Will Muschamp was, you know, he was okay. You know, I think that that's, they they went through a lot of starting quarterbacks under Will Muschamp, three offensive coordinators, and they really didn't have a good offensive attack. What South Carolina needs is an offensive attack. And unless Muschamp is willing to try something different, I think, I don't, necessarily see South Carolina being all that good I think that when we what was it uh, when we talked I think before uh, multiple weeks ago maybe a Mm -hmm. month or two ago about coaches on the hot seat I think that I was one who brought up Will Muschamp because you take a look at what he did in Florida and then what he's going to have to do there in South Carolina, he's going to have to get them going quickly because that's a team that has just been down for a long time. And if he can't get in, get them going quickly in that first year and show some promise for year two, I mean, I don't know if he's gone right away, but he's already. I I feel like he's already on a short leash, and a lot of guys are when they go to a to a team that's already not that great. They expect results. They expect better results. So honestly, if they win five games, that'd probably be better results. But He's going to be in for for a difficult task, I think, trying to work with a team that doesn't have, when you look at other teams within the SEC, and mm-hmm. they are good teams, I don't know if South Carolina has the attack. I don't think that South Carolina has the same offensive and defensive 
playmakers that other teams have there in that conference to be competitive. Well, that's my my main point for South Carolina. I will try to keep this short, and I will try to keep this sweep. Basically, they're losing Farrell Cooper. That's going to be huge. You're losing your main wide receiver target who said, yeah, you know what, I could come back for a senior year, but I'm not. I'm going to go play in the NFL and get my money. Then the second thing for this offense is they have one of the most interesting, I'm going to say, the most compelling quarterback competitions. And I'm going to even throw out the word controversy because we don't know who's going to start for Will Muschamp and Kurt Roper, the offensive coordinator, because they have five quarterbacks, five scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. I mean, you have guys like Perry Orth didn't play in the spring game because of a collarbone. Sophomore Lorenzo Nunez didn't play because of a knee. You've also got freshman Brandon McIlwain. He's going to be there. We also got Connor Mitch. You have a guy, Michael uh, Skarnechia. And it's just, sometimes it's teams we're picking out of three, and we have a hard enough time picking who's going to be the starter out of two or three guys. They've got five guys. Five guys. And, I mean, you could say, well, Ricky, that question is easy. Perry Orth is the guy. He's the incumbent starter. He didn't play in the spring game. And, I mean, you, you can say, well, Ricky, just because he didn't play in the spring game doesn't mean he's not going to start. But if that collarbone injury lingers, Will, Will Muschamp's success to me is all going to come on who does he have? Who does he have to be a starting quarterback? Because the quarterback is the most important position no matter what level of football that you play. It, it's the most important. It is. I think it's the the absolute most important because no matter who you've got out there, and I, I've talked about this before. I mean, you have a solid a running back. You know, you have a star running back. You know, the quarterback spot is still very important out there to be able to be the leader out there on the field. And yeah, the Gamecocks have a ton of question marks, specifically at quarterback, and that's not good. And you look at other. Uh, again, I said it before, you look at other spots all around the football, offensively, defensively, they have few proven skill players on that team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a complete rebuild year. Everyone knows that. If they're good, I would be so surprised. And by good, I mean win like three games. But <laughs> I, 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 it is a team right now that if they can just move forward, mm-hmm. win some maybe one or two games that people wouldn't expect. And I'm not talking like beat an Auburn or beat a you know, a Georgia or something like that. But they beat maybe a team where, okay, you know, we were really thinking we were going to give this one to Kentucky, but the Gamecocks won it. You know, well, that's, th- those, you got to take the small victories, and that would be a victory, but a small one. And really quickly, that was one of the next two teams I just wanted to ask you about before we get into the big three, Kentucky and Vanderbilt, because these are teams that, I mean, Kentucky five wins last year, Vanderbilt four wins, Derek Mason and Mark Stoops switch them around. They're the Kentucky and Vanderbilt coaches. Could they be on hot seats this year? Because I know with me, Vanderbilt, it's kind of like, okay, you're entering the third year. We thought Mason would kind of be on a hot seat last year. But to me, out of these two, the one that could be a sleeper is Kentucky. I mean, they get a close win over South Carolina last year. That game's going to be at home this year. And I mean... They had close games to Florida, a Will Muschamp-led team. They have a three-point loss to Auburn. That could easily be flipped around. A four-point loss to Vanderbilt. They lost some close games. So this Kentucky team, 
I think, won't be the one to be as nervous of Stoop losing his job or them being as bad as they were last year, I'm going to say, because, I mean, five wins didn't get you a bowl game. I think if I'm a Vanderbilt fan, I am more worried of, okay, what are we going to do post-James Franklin because we still haven't been able to figure it out. I think you're right, and I think that you take a look at Kentucky. They were 5-7 and seven last year. They missed out on a bowl appearance again. One game, one stinking win. I That's know. all they needed. I know. But th- this year, you, you you have to also realize that they're going to be playing under their third different offensive coordinator in now three seasons. That ain't good. That's not good. That's absu- that absolutely good. not good at all, and I and I think that that's that's part of it. You know, one one reason I'm going to point to an NFL situation here. So Alex Smith, Alex Smith, people he loved Alex Smith mm-hmm. coming out of college. Hey, this is going to be the guy. He goes to the 49ers Didn't and he never panned out. And one and, and and part of that is to to him. He did not play as well as people expected him mm-hmm. to play. But he really never had the opportunity How many to stay in a system. Head coaches, yeah. offensive coordinators. Both of those mm-hmm. things worked against him. He went to Kansas City and he's not bad. He's not Tom Brady good, but he's not Jamarcus Russell bad. He is in the middle, I would say more on the middle trending up. Well, he's also got the walrus talking to him from the sideline. He's got, <laughs> he's got a good offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Certainly did have a good offensive co- coordinator who's now gone. But I think that ultimately you need that, more is consistency that is with huge. That is huge. Moving back now to Kentucky You've got to have some consistency mm-hmm. there because you can't expect your guys to continue to go through these coaching changes every year. You can't expect that because they're having, first off, they're having to make sure that they know the playbook like inside and out, mm-hmm. backwards and forwards for that season, and then you give them a new one. Okay, well, everything, not to say that everything before is out the window, but a, a new guy comes in, he's got a new system, and he's got this new system. And it could be completely different from what you had before. So that just makes it tough for any quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of makes it tough on the rest of the offense, the rest of the team, because the quarterback's out there trying to call new things to him and go over new plays and new systems and new routes. And, I mean, routes not maybe necessarily as difficult, but a whole system, that 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 can be difficult. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to say that any quarterback is dumb because there uh, many quarterbacks are very smart and they pick it up quickly, but it, it, it is tough and it hinders them from getting farther faster. Well, I'm going to put into some comparisons from this division. You look at Georgia up to this year. Usually have been a solid football team. Consistent system under Mark Rick. Alabama, one of the best in the fucking business. Consistent system under Nick Saban. Look at LSU. Yeah, have they fallen back a little bit? Yeah, but they've had a consistent molding under the Mad Hatter and uh, Les Miles. And then you look at Tennessee as of late. Under Butch, the kind of development that they've kind of had. And to me, that's why I say Kentucky, they could be a sleeper, but I think Vanderbilt and Kentucky are going to, they got to make some decisions because, like I said, Mark Stoop, fourth year, this is usually the year where it's like, okay, now it's on you because these guys coming in are your guys. These are the the seniors are now the freshmen that you brought in from your first year here with Derek Mason. It's third year, so I mean, do you give them one more? Do you hit the panic button for Vanderbilt? I don't really know, but 
I'm going to let you decide, Brandon. Where do you want to go first? Florida, Tennessee, Georgia. Which team do you want to hit first? Let's take a look at Georgia. Well, the big thing for Georgia is new head coach. They got Kirby Smart coming in. I mean, Mark Rick, we talked about him in the ACC preview. He's now in Miami down with the Canes. And I think that Georgia, I am very excited for their future overall, not just this season, but their future, because I don't know if it's just me assuming that Kirby Smart is going to be a great head coach just because he came from Alabama, but basically I'm expecting him to be a great head coach because he came from Alabama. What I think is going to be so interesting for Georgia, and I would expect that things would change, is that you go from Mark Rick, a guy who was completely offensive-minded, completely offensive-minded, and unfortunately things did not work Mm -hmm. out offensively, and he was supposed to be the offensive mind. And that's when, insert Kirby Smart, the defensive mind, extremely defensive-minded. He was very good for Alabama, and Alabama certainly will miss him. But I think you go from you know, one end of the spectrum to the other, and I think that Really, a great thing for Kirby Smart is that he's not only defensive-minded, he's just a smart football guy. He knows he's not necessarily the offensive guy, so what does he go and do? He gets Jim Chaney, quarterback guru, to run his offense. I I mean, I think that's perfect. I think that's absolutely perfect. I I think that this Georgia team could be very, very dangerous this season. And I I think that part of it is you are getting back Nick Chubb, a guy who was on his way to a fantastic season last mm-hmm. year. You lose him to a very serious knee injury. And that that's also tough to come back from and, and be who you were last year. But I think he can do it. And if he does it, I'm not as worried then about the quarterback situation because they're looking at Jacob Eason, Grayson Lambert, who do we put there? But I think if you have a solid running back that takes a little bit of the pressure off of any quarterback – it's still a big decision, but I think that you have Nick Chubb in there mm-hmm. doing what he needs to do and doing what he does. That is just that much bigger for the offense. Brandon, I am going to make a straight comparison to the Alabama Crimson Tide here. Maybe because he came from that system, but all you need to be successful in the SEC is just take the mold that Alabama does. A defense that's one of the best in the business Every year we're talking about Alabama's defense and just how that system just keeps creating like their front seven. Like the defensive linemen are always guys where it's we're talking about them. Well, you're not talking about them come draft time because you don't like to talk about the draft. I'm talking about them come draft time. They're always top first round picks. That's what you need. You need Kirby Smart just to set his defensive system. And then you look at Alabama. Has have Alabama quarterbacks been flashy? Have they been the big names? Jake Coker? No. No, they no. haven't. They've been just guys that are enough to get the job done. Who's been the most important part of that offense? Who's been the the flashy players? The running backs. The running backs. It's been the running backs. And that's what you got here. You got Nick Chubb, who is going to lead that team. You've got quarterbacks. I mean, could it be Lambert? Yeah. Could it be Ramsey? Sure. Could it be Eason? I guess. It doesn't matter. It's whichever one is going to get in there and do the job for you. Whichever one's going to do the job. I mean, we look at Alabama, what was it, two years ago? When 
I can't remember who was the quarterback the year before um, Coker, but it was we had a quarterback for Alabama, and coming into like game fourteen, we're like, oh, who's going to be the starter? It doesn't matter because both of them can do the job. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think that that's that's a big part of it. And really, when you take a look at this, many people will be watching Nick Chubb and how quickly he comes back, and then how well he does when mm-hmm. he comes back. You take a look, junior Sonny Michael, he rushed for 1,000 yards last year. He started only six games, but he rushed for more than 1,000 yards, and I think that that's going to be huge for them, knowing that they still have him in their back pocket, even if Nick Chubb has to take it a little slower when he gets back. The offensive line, they lose two starters, and I think that was a big part in why Mark Rick ultimately kind of had his downfall because mm-hmm. they lost those two those two guys were really struggling for you know it's they lost them but they it's like they lost them last year because they really weren't doing that well the offensive line was spotty and and I think that that's a big reason why they had some of the losses that they did but this is going to be a defense that Kirby Smart inherits that's already good, that's Mm -hmm. already got talent, and now he's going to be able to go and mold that talent into an even better group and take some of the guys who were raw talent and really turn them into something special. And just because I had to look it up because it was driving me crazy, the quarterback for Alabama I was thinking about was Blake Sims. There oh, was yeah, a ga- yeah, yeah. There's a game late in the year where it's like, oh, is Sims not going to start? Eh, it doesn't matter. Throw Coker in there. Yeah. The last time Alabama had a quarterback that I would say was a big name was A.J. McCarron. Yes. That's the last big-name quarterback that the Alabama Crimson Tide have. Is it that's nice? That's also when they—that's that's also the last big-name girlfriend that I think— uh, uh, Well, just yeah. ask— uh, Musburger, how uh, Catherine Webb's doing these days, or Catherine McCarran? I'm sorry, she's now Catherine McCarran. I don't even know if she changed her name, but yeah. I was gonna say I should I should take that back because (laughs) I I believe that uh, Jake Coker's girlfriend was also good looking, but not good looking enough to uh, have uh, Brent Musburger talk about her on TV. She's still up there. I don't think Brent Musburger did the game. They wouldn't let him near the game. (laughs) Not this time, but yeah. No, so they just asked him to go sit in the stands (laughs) for Georgia. It For me, it all comes down to let Kirby Smart mold that defense into what he had at Alabama, get a quarterback who's competent, let Nick Chubb lead that offense and be the superstar. I'm going to ask you, this is how I want to close out the Georgia discussion before we move on into Tennessee. To you, what is a successful season for Georgia? The minimal thing they need to do just to say, oh, that was a good season. Ten wins. They need 10 wins. So if they have anything under 10, you're saying it's a failure, Kirby Smart's an asshole, he can't get the job done. No, I'm not saying that he can't get the job done, but they had 10 wins last year, and they didn't like it. Mark Rick got fired. They need 10 wins this year for when Kirby Smart comes in. Well, I got 10 wins in my first year. See what I can do in year two, three, you know, going forward. So I think at least 10 wins. That's what I think. I mean, they're they're going to have a they're going to have a struggle. I think mm-hmm. uh, going up against Tennessee and and Florida. And when I say a struggle, I mean a really good battle because those three teams right there in the East are going to be good. I think I think they can get ten wins. I'm looking at their schedule now. I see one, two, 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight for sure. I'm giving them eight for sure wins. The question marks are at Old Miss. That's a if it, if it was at home, I'd give them the W. But because it's on the road, that's a, that's a Chad Kelly led Rebel team. That could be a loss. The good thing is you get Florida. Yeah, Florida's on a neutral site, but you get Tennessee at home, which is huge. You get Tennessee coming into your place. You don't got to play at Rocky Top. And the biggest, one of the biggest games, their first non-conference game, a little neutral site game against uh, the Tar Heels from North Carolina. I think that when you... The, the the game that I think is is possibly the most intriguing out of those is the Ole Miss game because if you look at Ole Miss last year, there were some games where they would just put up stupid points and you would go, wow. And then they choked. They really, really played well, mm-hmm. like against Alabama. Yeah. But then there would be another game and you'd go. The Arkansas game. What are they doing? Mm-hmm. What are they doing? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the game that's most intriguing because you know what you're probably going, you know that you're going to get a good game out of a game against Tennessee with Georgia. That's going to be a good game. Ole Miss, not to say it's not going to be a good game, but it could be a blowout one way or another. I mean, Mm -hmm. you just don't know how it's going to go. I don't really expect a whole lot of points being put up against this Kirby Smart defense, to be quite honest with you. Even with the front seven being somewhat inexperienced, he works with them in in the offseason, worked with them in the offseason, rather, as we're coming up on the season. I'm hotty toddy. I'm getting excited. End of the month, August starts uh, today. You know, I I think that... this 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 team is is really going to be pretty good, and I, I I could totally see ten wins this season, maybe more, but ten definitely should be right there. I'm going to be honest with uh, Val Nation and Gator Nation. I'm going to be rooting against you guys this year, only for the reason that Alabama and Georgia don't play each other. I kind of want Georgia to win the East so that we can see an Alabama. Whoops, I. Uh, I kind of uh, spoiled something there so that we can see Alabama and Georgia. That's what I would hope for. That's what I'm hoping for. But moving on into Tennessee, I want to read you a quote from the Athlonsports.com preview for Tennessee and then ask you a question about it. Here's how they start their preview off, and I quote, Tennessee is the clear favorite to win the SEC East and a legitimate playoff contender, end quote. Brandon, can Tennessee win the East? And if they win the East, do they have a chance? Do they even have a chance to knock off the Crimson Tide and make it to the college football playoff? Well, do you remember last year? Do you remember this Tennessee team at the beginning of the season? This Tennessee team was pegged as a team to watch. We bought they, the hype a little bit. They, yeah. They were supposed to be With like the, Dobbs? the team mm-hmm. in, in the East and possibly in the SEC. I mean, I just remember... They were touted big time, and they had the talent, and they had the experience, but what got in the way? Inconsistent offense, and they just went away. They fizzled. They fizzled. Well, it, but, it wasn't but the, that this they year, went away. They just lost the no, big they fizzled. Games. Yes, they, they lost did the go big away. Ones. They did go away. The, the, yes, exactly. They lost the big ones. They went <laughs> away. They laid down. They rolled over, and they played dead. I, I don't think, and here's my only disagreement. Yes, at the end of the season, were we not focusing on Tennessee as much? Because by Halloween, they had, what, four losses? Yes, but I'm not going to say that they laid down because you see when they played 19 Oklahoma at the time, 
double overtime thriller. I still remember that. That was basically the Baker Mayfield coming out party. Then you have Florida. They lose by one. Arkansas, they lose by four. Alabama, they lose by five. They were close games. You got to give them credit for having close games. But, yeah, they did lose four to some pretty, pretty, pretty big opponents. Arkansas, they probably should have beat. I, I think that they, they're, they're definitely going to have some good pop with Josh Dobbs. Good veteran. He's dynamic. Mm-hmm. He can make the downfield plays. He's got the talented wide receiver core who can make the big plays down the field. I I think it's it's going to be the passing game. Will that will that work? Can they light it up? I mean, that's really the big part. The ground game is going to be good. I think that's where they're going to earn a lot of their big gains and a lot of their big plays. But if they can see something out of the passing game like that, yeah, then you've mm-hmm. got the Tennessee team that we thought we were going to get last year. And I think that that's, that's huge. They were 92nd in the nation in passing last year. That's not good. I think that really they need to work on that. Again, ground game I think is solid. It's the passing game that Tennessee really has to focus on. Well, and I'm looking at their schedule, and to me they're – there are some blatant positives to this schedule, and then there are some blatant just negatives and like, oh, I'm not too happy about that. The positives, you get Florida at home. You get Alabama at home this year. You get to play Nick Saban and the boys at home. The big ones that are like, oh, I'm not too excited about, like I mentioned not even five minutes ago, you're playing Kirby Smart and his team in Athens. Then you're going right after that. You got to go October 1st. You're in Athens. That next week, you're at College Station playing Texas A&M, a Texas A&M team that Kevin Sumlin, we're going to get into him a little bit later. I'm assuming he's going to have his boys fired up because he could be on the hot seat by that week. Needs a big win at home. And then... I'm looking at that South Carolina game only because it's on the road. Only because it's on the road, and that late in the season, that could be South Carolina's Super Bowl. Let's knock off. Let's knock off the Tennessee Vols, who, if they're undefeated by that time, just beating an Alabama team, beating a Florida team, a Georgia team, looking pretty, that's the trap game. Because if you're undefeated going into that game, you're feeling pretty confident. You just beat Florida and Georgia, the two guys that you're fighting the division with, Oh, and we just beat Alabama. That's right. You're not going to touch us in the title game. That's the trap game, South Carolina. Well, let me give you this some 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 facts of of what happened last year. Hit and me you, with some cold hot facts. And and uh, you kind of uh, presented by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope we don't get uh, sued for that. But go on, go on. I didn't say the name. No, I just no, said presented no. by. Anyway, so <laughs> Tennessee. You you said that you didn't think that they that they went away. No, they didn't go away. Well, here, they completely choked on a big one mm-hmm. in the Oklahoma game. I mean, you remember that. That was awful. That was awful. Florida, they allowed Florida to convert five fourth down chances. You should lose if you allow someone to convert five fourth down chances. That's pathetic and embarrassing. And then they get pounded to a pulp by Arkansas and Bama. Those games, they they lost the time of possession to each by more than 10 minutes, 
and it was awful. They couldn't handle the big games. All the games I mentioned, Oklahoma, Florida, Arkansas, Bama, big mm-hmm. games. If you can't handle the big ones, get get out. You get out, go home, you know? I mean, that is really where they struggled, the big games. Not the games that they should win, the games that they needed to win. And they need to do that this year. They need to win those games this year. Oklahoma, that game, that, that type of game cannot be lost. It has to be won by Tennessee. If they want to come mm-hmm. out of this conference, this Eastern Conference, if they want to come out, mm-hmm. they need, or rather the East Division in the SEC, they need to be the big dog. They need to win those games. They need to beat up on Arkansas. They need to really give Bama the best shot they've got. That's the only way that you're going to be taken serious. By Halloween, we should know where this team stands because they've got all their games early. All their games early. But because we spent so much time on the West, we got to look at Florida. They they led the they the led the division. Yeah, the East. Did I say the West? You did. I meant the East. I know. You know you, what I know I what you meant. You guys know what I meant. But we got to look at Florida. They've got a new coach coming in, obviously, because you got Will Muschamp's no longer in the swamp down there in Florida. And to me, I I'm kind of worried if I'm a Florida Gator fan because I'm only worried because of Tennessee. And because of, and there I go again, Ricky, you can say it again. Oh, well, Ricky, you're buying into the hype of Tennessee. You just talked about how they had to be consistent, but I think they're going to be special. I think even with a loss to Alabama, maybe even a loss to Georgia, maybe they could still win their side of the SEC. And if I'm Florida, I'm not going to say shaking in my boots because uh, you're still a good football team. However... I would have uh, I'd be readjusting that rearview mirror to look at Tennessee right behind you. Well, Florida, one of the big things for them is quarterback right out of the gate. That's what you got to look at. Mm-hmm. And they are looking at transfer Luke Del Rio, the son of Oakland Raiders head coach Jack Del Rio, uh, also Purdue graduate transfer Austin Appleby. But it looks like right now Luke Del Rio is the favorite to win that don't, one. Don't let Appleby start. And don't let them start. And here's the thing is that whoever wins this, though, that it will be the ninth starting quarterback since Tim Tebow mm-hmm. in 2009. Tim Tebow. That is the number one stat to me. It's ninth quarterback since Tebow in 09. It's 2016. I, I mean, I just feel like you had no consistency. You've had no consistency since Tebow. And yes, I get it. Guys like Tim Tebow in college, people can say whatever they want about him, how he did afterwards. But in college, it's a special type of player. Oh, he's to the have, best. He is one of the best Tim college Tebow players. Yeah. That, for all those years, you get lucky when you have a guy like that. And I get that. But Florida needs to find that again. Mm-hmm. Because without that, that's tough. And then you have an off- when you have an offensive line that gives up a nation-leading 45 sacks, it doesn't help that you're changing quarterbacks every other game. doesn't help. Here's my key stat. I'm going to bring a key stat to the Florida um, conversation here. 
4-1-2. That was Florida's field goal percentage last year. Guess what about every other team in all of college football hit? About 60% from the kicking game. Yeah, that ain't good. That ain't good. Those are the those are the points you need to grab because when you get down the field and your quarterback can't get you into the end zone, you got to grab three points. You can't be going into the red zone or past the 40 and not coming up with three points. That's to me, that's another thing where you, quarterback's got to be key, but you got to kick those field goals. You got to get those through the uprights. John Madden, boom, get them into the uprights. That's how, what you got to do. You got to improve that stat because if you're missing out on points like that, I don't even want to see you play Georgia and Tennessee because they will maul you. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. That's that's not good at all. And I think that now another part of it is that Florida defensively, their defensive line is good. Uh, they've got a really solid spot there. Will and, they're, and they're pretty do, deep. He didn't do all bad things there. I mean, the defense was one good thing he did, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is that actually is a good thing that Muschamp left behind. Mm-hmm. He left behind a really good defense. However, it's the off. I mean, if your offense is off the field like that, your defense is tired. It's like having a bullpen that can't go, you know, because they've been pitching three plus innings for the last ten days. Enter the White Sox, <laughs> but I, I think that. Ultimately, this offense is the spot that needs to be touched the biggest. You know, the, the, the biggest. That does not make sense. That sentence was awful. But they have to be looked at the most. You have a really good receiver in Antonio Callaway. It's really the guys who you look at on the other side. Like, who is going to go next to him? I mean, I'm really, I'm really not sure. So you got Ahmad Fullwood, Josh Hammond, Dre Massey. The list goes on and on, but you've got uh, Dre Massey, a JUCO product here. He's going to be competing with Powell for Brandon Powell for reps. So that it's it's really kind of you've got guys who look the part. Callaway's really good. He's their top playmaker. But who's going to get him the football? Mm-hmm. That's the question. It all comes back to who's going to be the quarterback. Because you've got guys who can be good and who have explosiveness and who are really good talents. But who throws in the quarterback consistently? And how good are they going to be under center? I think that's a huge question mark. It is for me, but, you know, maybe it's not going to be as much of an issue. That's why I kind of put Florida right now. If you're talking a top three of Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida, Florida is the number three. Florida is the number three. Well, and I'm looking at the clock, Brandon. We have to move on into the last. It's fine. It's one of these things where there are so many teams and so little time. I, I don't think you guys want to hear us talk for 10 hours. Maybe you do talk for 10 hours on SEC football. But with the West, I mean, I look at the time we just spent talking about the East. I go, oh, we're almost at 40. We're like three minutes shy of uh, 40 minutes, maybe even closer to 40 than that. And we just talked about three teams. Well, this <laughs> West is even more stacked. I know. I, I know. Mean, Al- do we have to spend time on Alabama? Only because I'm saying... Alabama's the favorite. They're always the favorite. They're always going to be the favorite. They're going to be the favorite 50 years from now, it seems like. I, they're they're the lock for the college football playoff I, I right do now. have a I do have a question for you. Hit I me. do have a question for I you with, with Alabama. With Alabama, defensively, 
mm-hmm. with what happened in the offseason, does that plague them at all? With, You're talking about the Cam Robinson with, thing? with the suspensions that weren't suspensions because they weren't ever charged because um, the prosecutor did not want them to be outside any more than they had to be. He wanted them to get into the air conditioning. I, I'm i not kidding. That's th- almost a direct quote. Um, I, I just want to take have your take on that part. Does that affect them at all? Does that affect their play? Does that affect how Nick Saban goes about it? Because I don't think it does. I don't think it does either. But, however, I will go into... I am very disappointed in Nick Saban. I think suspensions need to be had. I want to commend, actually, now that you brought that up, I want to commend, and I know that he doesn't need my commending, but Paul Feinbaum, or as Brandon thought his name was, Paul Finnebaum. I thought Uh, that for a long time. I (laughs) didn't watch his show enough, clearly. Paul Feinbaum was perfect, perfect at the SEC Media Days, asking the hard questions that needed to be answered of Nick Saban. Why aren't you suspending these kids? Why aren't you? Me and you talked about it when it happened. And what did I say? I said, you need to suspend Cam Robinson. He's the big one. I know there were more players than that. You need to suspend Cam Robinson for at least some games. I don't even give a shit if it's the games that you're supposed to win. Stand in there, suspend them, and I know that everyone's going to be, there's going to be people on the other side of Ricky, well, the, the head coach should be like a father figure and should be like, war, like, oh, come here, it's okay. Sometimes you need to be stern and you need to say, this ain't allowed. I know with me, and maybe it's because my background, my parents, if I did something I wasn't supposed to, I didn't get a hug. I didn't say, oh, everything's going to be okay. You did something wrong. No, I got disciplined and it made me see, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. For them, it's sitting out football games. You take away what they love, they'll never do anything wrong again. Well, maybe not, but that's the thinking I'm going with. And I'm on the other side of Ricky saying that, yes, there needs to be some some sort of punishment, but not necessarily into the game. I, I, I think that Nick Saban, he didn't get to be a good coach in college football without knowing what he needs to do. And he knows that he needs to keep his guys out there to win. His best guys need to be out there to win. I don't think that he didn't go in the into his office with those guys and say, what the hell are you guys doing? This can't happen. If it does, we're actually going to have to do something here. But they didn't find anything legally. They did not charge him legally. No need to charge them then via the you know, a school punishment or an athletic punishment or anything like that. I don't think so. I don't think you do that. But we're on two different sides of this, and well, we did talk about that. But thing- I think that... Go ahead. Because you brought it up, I pulled up the the quote, the exchange between Saban and Feinbaum, and it's kind of the same thing we're kind of going through right now, where Saban just said what you said, and I quote, if they really did something wrong, they would have been charged with something. You know what Feinbaum said back? Debatable. I, I kind of agree with him. Debatable. And then Saban went on to say, do we condone that behavior? No. But you're innocent until proven guilty in this country, regardless if you get convicted in the media or not, which is what you're doing. 
And then Feinbaum responded by asking why he didn't suspend either player. And then Saban said, because I'm not going to convict them in public, I was going to get criticized by you and the public and the media because I'm not going to suspend him. And I really don't, and I don't really care about that. That's the end of the conversation. And that, that last part end quote, by the way, um, that part I didn't like from Nick Saban. I, I'm fine with the explanation. Tomato, tomato, we disagree. I think he should be suspended. You don't. It's your football program. I don't run Alabama Crimson Tide football. However, the way Nick Saban, you guys can watch it. Go online, watch the exchange between them. The way he's like, and that's the end of the conversation, is like you're talking to a, you're not talking to a kid, Nick. You're not talking to one of your football players. You're not talking to a 10-year-old. You're talking to an adult. That's the way I kind of saw it of when Nick Saban to the media goes, that's the end of the conversation. It's like talking to a kid where it's like, that's it. That's all I've got to say. You're not getting the last word. Well, I do have to say I can understand what he's saying in the sense of, and that's the end of the conversation, because if he doesn't say that, and even by saying that, there will be other people from the media who will try and finagle in a question that deals with those guys. And after a while, you're there not to talk about that anymore. You're there to talk about Alabama football, not things or that may or may not have happened with guys in Alabama football. You're there to then talk about your team, talk about the season, and talk about things like that. Mm-hmm. It gets annoying. I know as, a, as someone... A sports lover who's watching a press conference like that, I start to get annoyed. I'm like, he said, stop asking the questions. It's done. Stop. It's really getting annoying because I'm not I'm not if getting anything, any other information from anything else. If it's getting annoying, you want my you want to know my advice for Nick Saban? Watch as much film of Bill Belichick in press conferences and just do that. Doesn't get the bill. Well, Bill kind of gets up he gets upset, but he doesn't yell back at the media. See, that's the thing with Nick Saban that I see is I think there's a legit disdain from Nick Saban towards the media. Well, there there probably is for a lot of guys. I mean, look at guys throughout the NBA, throughout the MLB, the NFL. There are a lot of guys who can't stand the media. I mean, you take a look at Marshawn Lynch. He couldn't stand the media. He would not talk to them. Was he couldn't ap- stand them. Was that a not standing the media or was that because of he had like anxiety issues and didn't like talking to people? Well, I don't think he could stand the media because of the fact that he had the anxiety issues of not wanting to talk to them and they wanted him to talk to them. Well, I think it was more the NFL. The yeah. NFL wanted him to be there. The media was like, whatever. Oh, just want to I talk mean, whatever, you know, e- either way. But then you look at the NBA. There's a ton of guys in the NBA who hate the media. Hate them. Hate them. Hate them. But I, I think that really it all comes down to. Mm-hmm. This is year number DAs 10 for Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa. Part of, part of a decade, yeah. And they have the biggest target on their back this year because most people expect them to win it again. Can I ask you a question? I suppose so. This is going to be Ricky taking a quote from a SEC quarterback out of context, but then I'm going to ask you a question about it. Basically, at SEC Media Day's... Uh, Chad Kelly, quarterback for the Old Miss Rebels, oh, yeah. basically said, and I quote, I'm the best quarterback in the nation. Brandon, what do you think? Well, uh, right now he's probably the best quarterback out of him and any quarterback on Alabama. Um, what about Deshaun Watson? That's the big one everyone's comparing him to now he, because he said that. he's. We saw Chad Kelly last year. We saw what Kelly mm-hmm. did. Did he have a good season? 
Yes, he did. He had a good season. But he didn't have anywhere near the season that Deshaun Watson had. And if he wants to say that he's the best quarterback in the SEC, okay. You I, may you may have something there, but if he wants to go out and he wants to say mm-hmm. again, if best he quarterback wants to, in the nation is if, what he if said. If he in wants to nation. say that, I know. If okay. he wants to say that, I'm just saying. <laughs> I know. I if know, you I look know. at the SEC, then yes, he may have a case for himself. But I if mean, he's you saying, you can say the SEC is its own nation. If he's saying in the nation, he better back he it up. Better be able to back it up with the stats, and if he can't. Then you are dumb, kid. <laughs> you are dumb, kid. That's all I got because I I love it. I love it because it's so funny mm-hmm. when guys will come out. We win in the Super Bowl this year, or we win in this oh, this Vince year. Vince Young and his it's dream like, team. You're an idiot because Char- Charles, you're not. Charles Barkley in '93 saying God wants us to win this title, and then Michael Jordan says, "Ah, uh, no, here you go, Paxton." Three pointer. We win in this. But but you know, but you know what I mean oh, is I that guys mean, come yeah. out and say stupid stuff like that all the time. And if well, I'm and if I'm their coach, I'm going ah no. You want to know the you want to know the way I see it? Would you like to know the way I see it, Ricky? We always want to know the way you <laughs> see it. I'm, we're this, still waiting for the show. The way I see it with Ricky Widmer. It's in production. It's in production. It's coming. It's coming. Not anytime soon. But it's on the burner. It's it's a slow burn. Has, hasn't it's quite hit burn. the climax yet. But uh, the way I see it is this is just a guy who's jealous trying to get at an old teammate of his or a former team of his because he used to be a Clemson Tiger. That's all it is. Yeah. That's all it is. Him yeah. just kind of throwing some flack at Clemson because he's upset with Clemson because he obviously left them for old Miss. Do I think he's the best quarterback in the nation? No. Go back and play. I want to say it was the Arkansas game from last year where he had whatever game last year he had like five interceptions and it wasn't good. Quarterbacks who are the best in the nation don't have those games. They have maybe two interceptions, three interception games, and that's the worst. I'm looking at Matt Ryan and saying, oh, well, he's the best in the nation. No, he's throwing five interceptions in a game. Can't be the best. However, he did win that game against Drew Brees and the Saints. That's a random fact of the day from Ricky. But no, with old Nick, I mean, both of these teams that were at the top of the East, Alabama, they've got the Cam Robinson kind of uh, cloud hanging over them. Old Miss, they've got this, and I think this compiles, like you said, if you were the head coach, if you were Hugh Freeze, you'd be going, no, 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 don't say that. Don't say that. Just shut up right it's now. It's like kid. when Just you say up. that I think this team is going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and then the you're like, and, 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 and then every fan is like, Ricky, you son of a bitch. Why do you think I've never openly said? I will not say what Mike Rankin has said. I will not declare my baseball team as whatever championship they play for. I can't even say it because I don't want to curse them. But I think that this also is one of those things where it's like, really, you're going to say this when the big thing about your team is all the drama that happened after draft night about your team with Laramie Tunsil and Hugh Freeze and the organization giving them money, and you've got that. You've got an investigation that might be coming down on your, your school, your football program, and then you go out and say this and just put more attention. It's like, oh, let's just take that magnifying glass and put it right over the old Miss Rebels. 
Yeah, and I think that that's a problem. I mean, you take a look at him, and now let's move into let's move into Ole Miss a little bit okay. here. Chad Kelly threw for over four thousand yards, four thousand forty-two to be exact, mm-hmm. last year. Thirty-one touchdowns, thirty-one touchdowns, and he's returning. He's a top quarterback mm-hmm. in the SEC. He's he not is. the best, but he's one of the best. Yeah, I get it. I mean, he's good. <laughs> no, but he is the top quarterback in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I'll give him that. But he's got a lot of other good quarterbacks to go around when he talks nation. But also, Larry Tunsil wasn't there the whole season last year, but he returned latter half of the season, returns from his suspension, and was a great protector of the blind side for Kelly. You know, does he have that this season? Greg Little, true freshman, is going to take that Mm -hmm. spot, and he's going to have to be good. Hugh Freeze likes him a lot. uh, But Kelly, who knows if he has that same success again this year? Does he put up over 4,000 yards and 31 touchdowns this year? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. I think he's going to be... Hold on. I think he's going to be around 3,500 and 25 to 27 touchdowns. So he's he's still good, but he's a little lower. That's well, what I think. Because you just said the, oh, Chad Kelly not going to have the same numbers as last year. That's my biggest question with LSU is Leonard Fournette. We saw him kind of tail off at the end of last year. Is he going to have the same numbers? Is that team going to be competitive? Because to me, there's four teams in this division. Alabama, Old Miss. Arkansas, LSU. Those are the ones I'm looking at. I know War Eagle, you guys are sitting there saying, They're trying. Well, we could be there. Yeah, you could. You guys usually surprise me every once in a while. Mississippi State, you did good two years ago. You didn't do that great last year. The fall off has happened. And then Texas A&M, you, are, you guys are falling faster than Johnny Manziel's NFL career, to put it into a... Texas A&M related joke there, but to me it's a four-team race. However, that four-team is really a two-team race because it's Alabama Old Miss. Arkansas Arkansas may surprise LSU could be in the running, but I think when it's all said and done, we're going to be looking at the Auburn or not the Auburn, the Alabama Old Miss game as the game that helped either one of those two get into the SEC title game. I, I agree. I think that I think that there's going to be I, I agree with you with the teams that that you talked about. I think that really with this Ole Miss team, Chad Kelly's gonna still be good. But he loses a big key. He loses a big weapon in Laquan Treadwell. Not Gone. playing for my Vikings. Gone. And I think that's huge. I mean, that is a huge hole to fill at wide receiver. They have a good have good depth, but Laquan Treadwell was, I mean, he was really, really good. Mm-hmm. I, I think that ultimately Ole Miss is still going to be one of the top dogs on the west side, but is there a team better than them that takes them over on the west? Because obviously you look at Alabama at the top. And then, do you do you put LSU as number two there? To me, I don't know. I I literally don't know because to me, the big question is LSU and Arkansas. What are we going to see from them this season? What are we going to see from them this season? Because with LSU, the big question mark to me is quarterback. 
You guys know me. I love looking at the offense. It's usually the first thing I look at because I'm an offensive-minded guy. Yeah, you are bringing back Harris from last year. Brandon Harris, that is. I think he's going to be the starter. There is no way I feel confident in LSU if the Purdue transfer Danny Etling is anywhere near that football because guess what? I'm a Big Ten guy, and I've seen Danny Etling play. That's why I said with Appleby, don't let him touch the football because guess what? Purdue wasn't that good. But the whole thing is if Brandon Harris can show development and Fournette, see the thing about Fournette, and I know everyone's saying it, it's not a huge concern to me, but you got to bring it up is with his workload, is he getting too much of a workload in college? And is that going to hurt LSU? I say if he's given it all he's got and he's winning a game, give him the ball. Give him the ball. If he's the guy that's going to win the game, give him the ball. Do whatever's going to win you the games. However, I look at that team and I just go, the question of quarterback, can Brandon Harris be the guy? And then, just like we talked about with inconsistencies for Kentucky earlier in the podcast, LSU is going to have their third defensive coordinator in three seasons. That ain't good. That's inconsistency on defense. And if that's the case... Chad Kelly is going to light you up. I I think that this defense actually is going to be one of the best. They return 10 starters, and I think that that's really good. You kind of keep the core intact, and that's going to be huge for LSU. I think offensively, yes, they need to get better behind the quarterback position and the wide receivers. Leonard Fournette's going to carry this offense, but how far does he carry them? We saw how far he could carry them last year. We saw how he played against Alabama when he went up against a, at the time, Kirby Smart defense, no longer there, but it's still an Alabama defense. Mm -hmm. I think really, at the end of the day, what other pieces can you put around Leonard Fournette? You hardly ever hear that. It's like, what other pieces can you put around your quarterback? But who else can you provide to no, Leonard, Leonard Fournette? Leonard Fournette is the quarterback. He is the quarterback. And the one thing I want to ask you about their defense is, do you think it's going to be a big deal that for the first time in the last Miles era, their LSU, that is, is going to be a 3-4 defense and not a 4-3? Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. We're going to be really, I think I think most people are going to be kind of seeing how this 3-4 works uh, under uh, Dave Aranda. That's going to be I think a crucial point that people will look at. How big of a difference is it? How are people able to adjust to it? How are the guys able to adjust? And how well does this match up against offenses? Now, if all of a sudden, you know, the first couple of games, they're getting shredded on defense, they're going to go, what's going on? But I don't think so. People look at Aranda as one of the top coordinator hires in the offseason. So I think that they're going to actually see some really good things out of that defense, which, again, I said already had 10 10 guys returning. I'm hoping the West is competitive. I'll tell you that because I think Alabama is going to be good. I think Old Miss is going to be good. It's going to be interesting to see how the talks of all the drama that happened post-NFL draft, if that's going to pick up at all and affect them into the season. Then Arkansas, I gave a sleeper for the East. I'm going to give a sleeper for the West. Arkansas is my sleeper. I mean, they've got their offensive coordinator, um, Dan Enyos. It's going to be his second season. They're going to have a new starting quarterback, so they'll probably lean a little bit more on the run game. But I look at Brett Bielema and I go, when are you going to do it? When are you going to make the move and be competitive? And you can say, well, Ricky, they were. They were 8-5 and five last year, 5-3. and three. 
you know what? If you're not in the talk to win the division, you're not competing in the SEC. That's just how it goes. LSU, I think, will be competitive, but I think it's another five and three year for them. Maybe even maybe six and two. I mean, it depends on the Arkansas game. I don't think they beat Alabama. Don't think they beat Old Miss. And with Old Miss Alabama, I think it comes down to that game. Whoever wins that game is going to be in the SEC title game. Yeah, I look at Arkansas again as a, as a team, even at the end of last year, a team that I'm looking at going, wow, this Arkansas team's having a really good finish mm-hmm. and ultimately put together a pretty decent season. You look at what, what they started at, 2-4. and four, They weren't on the map with anybody. They ended up going 8-5. and 8-5. Mm-hmm. and five. That's pretty good. 5-3 and three in the SEC. But I, I think that the biggest thing for me, how do you replace Brandon Allen? Yep. How do you replace Brandon Allen, all SEC quarterback? What happens with him? If you can replace him and if you're able to get consistency then from that position, you look at Arkansas as a team that's going to be right up there with the rest of them, possibly could even overtake an all-miss team. Who knows? But I think that Arkansas definitely, I'm with you. If you want to talk about a team that's going to be a sleeper, kind of, mm-hmm. because I think people kind of know about Arkansas a little bit, but yeah. Well, they're, the, saying, they're the team to go with. I'm saying sleeper to the Giants. That's what I'm saying. Like the Alabamas, the old misses. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously the true sleeper is Auburn because this is going to be a year that they fucking turn it on and then they return a kick in the Iron Bowl that they shouldn't have gotten and then somehow get into the national title picture and uh, shock the world. I don't know. Austin Allen, the younger brother of Brandon Allen, mm-hmm. going to be starting. Now in, in place of him. So if if, if Austin Allen is... Just keep the lineage alive. Yeah, man. if Austin Allen's anything like Brandon Allen, I think they'll be okay. So he th- saw time in three games last season, and he completed one pass in three attempts for 35 yards and a touchdown. Boom. It's going to be... They're <laughs> going to be just fine. Well, let's get into that. Let's get into our predictions, and I'll let you go first. This is your division. Brandon, who you got winning the East? Who you got winning the West? And then who's going to win your title game for the SEC? All right. So the West is easy for me. It's going to be Alabama. On the other side, on the on the east side, and I <laughs> I think that this is going to be kind of fun, I'm going to go with Georgia. And I'm going to say that we've got Alabama you want going up against Kirby Smart. Yeah, that's what you want to And the Georgia see. Bulldogs. And see how Kirby Smart does under his, 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 his mentor, Nick Saban. So I, I'm saying Alabama and Georgia. I agree with half of it. Can you guess which half I agree with? You're going to say Georgia. Georgia. I agree with Georgia being there. I think that for the East, it's going to come down to one thing. Florida, not going to be as good this year. They're going to be the third best team. And when it comes down to Tennessee and Georgia, Georgia's got the easier schedule. Georgia's got the right They've got the right matchups at the right place. Tennessee, I don't like that gambit that they have to go through that I talked about. That gambit right before Halloween weekend, I I don't like it at all. They're probably going to lose a game or two, maybe even three. I think Georgia's going to be a really good team this year. Kirby Smart's going to surprise some people. And I'm going to go with Old Miss in the West. I think the reign of Alabama is over, and it pains me to say it, it pains me to say it. Yeah, you look troubled. Well, I, I really don't like Old Miss. I, it's not that I hate them. I just, 
I've never really liked them, but I will say defense overcomes offense in the end, and uh, Georgia goes on to the college football playoff in Kirby Smart's first year. Oh, how about that? Well, Alabama will win, and they'll continue doing what they've done for a long time. So that means, uh, and I'm going to change some of my playoff things, but uh, you guys know the one that's not going to change, right, is Michigan. Michigan's in. They're they're a lock for my college football playoff. Yeah. Because you could probably take these division, like, I, I bet there's some people taking these division, like, predictions that we do and being like, okay, well, they said this guy would win here, this guy would win here, and they're trying... People are trying to put together our uh, college football playoff predictions. Yeah, they're trying to put together the college football <laughs> playoff predictions. And for Ricky, they've put together about five five teams that that will get into the college football playoff. And they're going, don't only four get it? <laughs> don't only. Why does he have eight? <laughs> Why does he have eight teams well, in there? I, I thought it was I thought it was like March. I thought I had different brackets. <laughs> can I fill out like fifty different brackets? Is that how this works? You can. It's not going to get you anywhere, but you can if you I'm, want to. I'm not going to win War Buffett's money. That's for sure. Not going to win uh, that cash prize. No. But uh, Brandon, I, I almost signed it off. But uh, you got anything for your uh, pop culture minute today? Yeah, I got a little something. So today. Uh, when this video eventually goes out, I'm really not sure when Ricky puts it out. but Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. So uh, you're going to be listening to this, and it's going to be a day after the trade deadline. Well, it's going to be SoundCloud Tuesday. Okay, Ricky, you, you just got YouTube in the way Thursday. and fucked up. I was just about ready to say what I was going to say, and as always, you come in at the worst time and fuck it up. Sorry, so, go ahead. <sighs> okay, we're going to pretend Ricky didn't do that. All right, so. Trade deadline happened yesterday, and a lot of things happen. If you're a Cleveland Indian fan, if you're a Texas Ranger fan, your team was going is going for it. Your team is definitely going for it. If you're a Yankee fan, you should be happy. The Yankees made some good moves. But what I'm trying to say here is make sure you check out Mike Rankin's podcast talking about all trade deadline news. Make sure you check out Mike Rankin. He's one of our boys. Top dog. Not as top dog as the Alabama Crimson Tide, but he's up there. Check out Mike Rankin. He's going to have all of his opinions. And, you know, just don't crucify him for thinking that the Aroldis Chapman move is not the best. Or that Theo Epstein, uh, we should feel uneasy about him. Yeah, so don't hate on Mike Rankin, but make sure you check out his podcast. And he's going to have a behind the pen later on in the week. But make sure if you are a trade deadline guru, which I love it, Ricky, I'm sure you love it. I love trades. Mike, I love Mike, trades. Mike Rankin is all about it. Make sure you check it out. Check him out on Twitter. I don't know his Twitter handle, but I follow Rankin him. Rankin 906. All right. Thanks, Ricky. I, someone should have muted this fucker. <laughs> but anyways, make sure you check it out. Ricky, take it away, you piece of shit well that's gonna do it for the prime time podcast i want to thank brandon for uh for just getting through this podcast with me i mean it's brandon's world we're just living in it right yeah, folks be fucking but happy that's gonna do it for the prime time podcast twitters are down below in the description go check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast just a extra way for you guys to support the channel other than hitting that subscribe and like button which you should already be doing Thank you guys for checking out the PTP. We will see you guys next week. But as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.